How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Superpower Newscast. I'm your host, Owen, and a lot of Comic-Con news has dropped this week. Um, before we get into that, though, last Wednesday was the 30th anniversary of Batman on the big screen, and was celebrated with Batman movies around the globe. Not too much on that, but just figured I'd let it drop. Cool fact there. Something else big that happened this week. Avengers Endgame is getting re-released in theaters around the world. Apparently Marvel really wants to beat Avatar. The movie will be the movie in general will be the same as it was before, but there will be three special additional kind of pieces. There will be an intro from Anthony Russo, an unfinished deleted scene, and an early sneak peek at Spider-Man Far From Home. They are also giving out art prints for fans who come to check out Endgame. The Endgame they're calling it Bring Back Event. The art print actually looks really cool and is an awesome clenched fist of the Iron Man Infinity Gauntlet. So I would definitely go check that out. Apparently they just really can't wait to drop another Marvel movie back into theaters. I'm kind of surprised that they have a sneak peek at Spider-Man Far From Home seeing as it comes out in less than a week now. But whatever works. Moving on. Ending off of the the news before we head into the Comic-Con stuff, Kevin Feige has confirmed that Far From Home will be the end of the Infinity Saga. He mentioned that as they were shooting Endgame, they realized that although it was originally supposed to end the Infinity Saga, they couldn't really do that without showing the impact of Tony's death on Peter. We'll have to wait till Far From Home hits theaters on July 2nd to hear more about that. But one more interesting tidbit. With the confirmed runtime of Spider-Man Far From Home, the minutes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, everything since Iron Man 1, has added up to be exactly 3,000 minutes long. Really great way to just hit us in the feels there, Marvel. Thanks for that. But, moving into the more exciting stuff, Marvel will return to Hall H at San Diego Comic-Con sometime between July 18th and July 21st this year, with some major announcements in the work. Not too much on this, this on the Marvel Comic-Con, a lot in the DC, but it would be no surprise if there was some Black Widow footage and an appearance by Scarlett Johansson, and hopefully some confirmation of the Eternals. I would also love if they laid out a plan for future movies, but that might be hoping a bit too much. Probably have to wait till D23 for that. But we have a lot more confirmed news about DC's appearance at Comic-Con this year. It will be Arrow's final appearance at the appearance at the SDCC on Saturday afternoon. There will be a premiere night of Batwoman prior to its October 6th premiere on the CW, and a premiere of Pennyworth prior to its Sunday, July 28th debut at 109 Central on FX. Check that out. On Saturday night, First looks and breaking down for Titans, Doom Patrol, and the second half of Young Justice Outsiders, along with the upcoming Harley Quinn animated comedy series. That'll be interesting. And there will also be panels that are for DC Superhero Girls, The Flash, Supergirl, and Teen Titans Go. One thing I just noticed is that there is no Legends of Tomorrow panel, but it is kind of their motto to get skipped over. Just like the Elseworlds crossover. Looking forward to those, definitely. Hopefully, hoping to get confirmation on maybe, probably not, but hopefully confirmation for a seventh season of The Flash and another season of Supergirl would be nice. And yeah, that really ends up the news for today. But it's time to jump into our main topic, which is 
kind of big. Um, today's main topic is my Cloak and Dagger Season 2 review. Um, this is being finished off a couple of days ago. I had a lot of it PVR'd because I'm going through exams and had to catch up. But this season was definitely quite interesting. It had its highs and its lows, but the last three or so episodes were probably some of my favorite in all of the Cloak and Daggers. I'm going to start with an overview of the whole season before we jump into the main topics. This season was very interesting to say the least. It had a lot of deep concepts from kidnapping to stuff like sex trafficking. I'm not going to go too much into that. But let's just overview the first episode. It started off with Ty and Tandy doing their own thing. Tandy's back into ballet and going to rehab with her mother. Ty is still in hiding from the police and in the church that Tandy was in for the most of the first season. A nice thing that I enjoy is that they showed Ty and Tandy just hanging out, just being friends. They had a super nice scene where they are just chilling out and watching a movie on the wall. It's like exactly what you want a friendship to be like, except for the fact that one of you is on the run from the police and one of you is in rehab. They have a great conversation about their powers, and eventually they get to the question of do they miss using them and like saving the world, quote unquote. They both lie to each other by both saying no, and that is super ironic as in the next scene they show Ty stopping a drug dealer and Tandy stopping an abusive husband, both using their powers. Obviously, eventually they find each other's secrets, I thought not really secrets out, but they find each other's secrets out, have a confrontation, but Everything works out in the end, and they end up going to a club, tracking a game, gang leader meeting that was supposed to happen there. It is a great callback to their long-standing mission in the comics, which is actually... Their big mission in the comics is to stop the drug trade, because, for those of you who don't know, Cloak and Dagger were created in the comics by being kidnapped and being experimented on with drugs by a gang leader. That will be more talked about later because it actually goes into something that I want to talk about later in this episode. But I just think that the start of this with Ty and Tandy tracking drug dealers is a great callback to their mission in the comics. They have a great moment together, which is called back to in the finale, where Tandy's asking, because they're going into the club together, and Tandy asks Ty how they want to hold hands, waffles or pancakes, which apparently are ways to hold hands. I don't know how to hold hands. I just like do high fives, those are cool. They have a moment in the club together, and they see a. They have a nice moment at the club together, but it is interrupted by the gang meeting starting. They see all the people walk into the hidden room, and they're kind of just not suspiciously watching the window when there's a gunshot and a bloody body is thrown up against the window. Ty teleports in there, but by the time they get there, it's too late. Everyone is dead, and the first episode ends. Now, that was super specific and not really a super good overview, so I'm not going to go through every episode in that much detail. I just felt like it was super important to spend some extra time on the first episode, mainly because it's reintroducing us to these characters that we haven't seen for a while. Put simply, the next seven or so episodes go through a few important things, which I will go through now. A lot of it is super important and comes back in later, but I'm trying to keep this episode on a decent time limit, and that will involve not going through 
all ten episodes in super specific detail. So, some of the important things that I would like to talk about in this bit right now is Bridget and Mayhem. Now, you probably haven't heard of Mayhem. Well, actually, this is a spoiler review, so you probably actually watched this season and you have heard of Mayhem. But if you haven't, in the finale of season one, Bridget gets shot and falls into the water, and is thought dead. However, the final season of the final scene of the finale shows her crawling out of the lake like a zombie. Now, I kind of just thought she was going to come back as a zombie, but in the first episode of season one, you see Bridget just acting normally. Just she can't shoot and she's super calm. That is explained later because. It explained in a sciencey way later on, and I don't feel like explaining that whole sciencey thing. So I'm just going to say that in this season there are two Bridgets. Put simply, Bridget has been split into two bodies. One where all her anger and rage is, and one where her peacefulness and sadness and calmness and other things in it is are. There are quite a few conflicts throughout the season between Bridget, Ty, and Tandy versus Mayhem. Eventually something happens, and that leads into the next important thing that I want to talk about. The Dark Dimension. Now, it's not actually called the Dark Dimension in the TV show, but a super big thing in the comic books is how Ty's cloak opens up and draws people in and drops them into the Dark Dimension. Now, this in the comics involves Ty having to feed off Tandy's light, otherwise he needs to kill living beings. And that doesn't happen in the TV show, believe it or not. But it'd be super weird to have Ty's powers without that. So they do have Ty, they do give Ty the ability to draw people into the Dark Dimension. That is shown in the season finale of season one, where Ty's cloak swallows Connors, which is the person who killed Ty's brother. And nothing really happens with that. However, in seasons two, Ty's cloak also, during a conflict with Mayhem, swallows her. I will expand on that later. Throughout this season, Tandy goes into Ty's cloak for different reasons, involving trying to find Connors, trying to find the main baddie of the season, who I'll talk about later, and trying to find Bridget and Mayhem and all that kind of stuff. But she, it's definitely quite helpful that in the TV show they don't have Ty feeding off Tandy's light. Otherwise, this would be a very dark show. I'm not like dark. It, it's already a very dark show in general. Dark in, t in terms of emotions and things like that. Like, they cover some very strong concepts in this show, which is one of the th things I like about it. But just dark in general, seeing as everything is black. And they have kind of a limited budget, so that's kind of annoying. But eventually, there are a few things that happen with this cloak. And a bunch of people come out with Tandy sometimes. Connors escapes Ty's cloak, but the only big thing that happens with him is that he eventually clears Ty's name and lets him go free. However, um, Ty's mom shoots him, which will definitely be explored in season three, hopefully. Near the end of the season, Bridget... Mayhem is still trapped inside Ty's cloak, but Bridget goes in with Tandy and meets Mayhem. They have a nice heart-to-heart, -heart and eventually manage to come out of the cloak as one person. However, Mayhem is in control of that one person, and that leads into the next important subject that happens in this season. The main big baddie, D-Spare. That's his name. It's like D-E, 
slash S-P-A-Y-A-R-E, Despair, which is kind of a sweet name for a villain. Despair, Despair. Anyway, he was a very interesting villain and has definitely played a huge part in the evolution of Ty and Tandy in the TV show. Now, I know I'm doing a lot of calls to the comics in here. This is another great call to the comics. In the comic books, comics, 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 so much comics. Sorry. In the comic books, the big twist in their run is that he is actually behind the drugs that gave Ty and Tandy their powers. He was using them to feed off of the fear and things that the drugs made the teens ingested with them feel. But in the TV show, they couldn't make him behind their powers because they already covered that in the first season. But having him behind how they get over their biggest fears and are able to conquer him with his own fear is perfect. I love that they were able to make the despair from the comics work on TV. And I know that I'm doing a lot of comics references here, but the way that they made this work is perfect. So like I mentioned a little bit before, in the comics, he drains and collects fear and sadness from people that he injects with the drug. And although they definitely powered him down in this show, this aspect of his powers is a lot stronger. Instead of having to inject teenagers with his drugs, all he needs to do is touch the person, and they were added to his creepy collection of records. It's actually super creepy. Like, it's a weird kind of shop that's in Ty's Dark Dimension. Although it's not called the Dark Dimension, so I should probably stop referring it to it as that. It's in the kind of midway place. And it's full of records, and when he plays those records, it makes... The person that that record is about, for example, Tandy, experienced that kind of fear, which is a super terrifying power. Like, that is just, ow. I can't even imagine how that would feel. But that will add into the final thing I must talk about before I can go into my favorite episode of the season. Despair's mission and his background. So before I go into the mission, I'm going to talk about his background, because you kind of need to understand that to figure everything else out. The background behind this character is super well set up. They show some, they show some of his flashbacks of his history as a jazz player, and how he had some injuries, and that caused him to continuously get migraines. This obviously affected his life, and he finally... Well, he finally gave in. This was caused by him having a big show. And he was ready to achieve what he called the blue note. Which apparently in music, I only play the piano, I'm not that good with jazz or anything like that. But apparently that's like the godhood of jazz. Achieving that note perfectly makes you a symbol. I don't know how this all works. <laughs> but... He tried to achieve that during a very big concert, and he did, but afterwards his migraines just exploded and he fainted on stage. This caused a, not a lot of things to work out in his favor, and he was cast out. This makes him just give up, and he goes to a bridge to commit suicide. I said I told you the show was dark. 
However, this is about the same time when Ty and Tandy get their powers. Actually, it's the exact same time, because as he's standing on that bridge, the Roxxon tanker explodes, causing him to fall in. And this is where he gets his powers. He wakes up in a hospital a couple days later, and as his nurse is helping him, he winds up grabbing her wrist. And he's transported into his creepy record shop, where he realizes that he now has the ability to make his records... Not his records. He now has the ability to make his migraines disappear. And pain is a very strong motivator. When he wakes up, he touches the hands of his nurse and realizes that he has the ability to drain fear and sadness to cure his migraines. One thing leads to another, and we go back to the present time, where he is in a meeting with Avida's auntie. She, he winds up taking her to his creepy record shop. We're just going to call it the creepy record shop now. He takes her to his creepy record shop. And she, in a way, explains that Despair now has the ability to achieve godhood. She obviously doesn't want him achieving godhood because, as she says, someone who is given power and uses it like this, she can't imagine what would happen if they were given the power of a god. Obviously that doesn't settle well with him, and he finds out that achieving the correct music path will unlock the doors to godhood, literally unlock the doors, because there is a set of doors in his creepy record shop that he wasn't able to open. And he achieves the cliffhanger before we move into my favorite episode, which is the finale, usually is. But the cliffhanger is he's playing for a group of people and the symbols on this door is lighting up and you hear a click and it is unlocked. He enters the door and Ty and Tandy are not able to stop him. Whew. Alright, now let's head to the finale. This is one of my favorite Cloak and Dagger episodes ever, and definitely my favorite episode this season. We get some very emotional moments and some awesome action moments, but let's walk through it. Like I mentioned before, the second last episode ends on a cliffhanger, with a group of people that Despair was playing for disappearing along with him. Moving into the finale, we get Chai and Tandy trying to figure out where that group of people went, and suddenly we see the bigger effects of that, because people are disappearing all around New Orleans. Like, all around New Orleans. Tandy's mom has disappeared, and who else disappeared? Lots of other people disappeared. Oh yes, that doctor from the first season disappears as well. Because that ties into Bridget. Because Bridget is visiting her to try to figure out how her and Mayhem combine. But before they can get all the results, she disappears. And that makes Bridget very suspicious. Moving back to Ty and Tandy, they meet up with Evita, who shows them how to open a portal into Ty's cloak that they can both enter. They nail gun the cloak down, and she lights a candle. It explains how as long as the flame keeps burning, the portal will stay open. 
However, if the flame goes out, they will be stuck in there forever. And that would be a bad thing, because we couldn't get to season three, and that would suck. Either way, they open the cloak and get to the halfway point and find that the viewfinder, which is what they used to travel through the dark dimension. I'm going to keep calling it the dark dimension. I like calling it the dark dimension. Either way, the viewfinder is broken. At this point, Tandy is very ready to give up, but is still sad because her mom's missing. However, after a very inspirational and touching speech from Ty to her, they find a way to get into Despair's record shop by working together and enter the godhood doorway that is open now. It takes them into an area that has a stage, and they finally find Despair. Despair. He's playing his trombone for a large group of people. Coincidentally, not a coincidence at all, but it's all the people that disappeared. Draining all of their fear. Achieving his godhood. He notices them and has his cocky vi villain speech, which you can't have a superhero show without a cocky villain speech, and then, then proceeds to suck them into their own fear worlds. Tandy goes into a house with her dad, and Ty goes into his house, facing off against what he thinks would be the... Well, not what he... What he sh would have thought a couple episodes ago would have been the perfect version of himself. The person without powers, who's a policeman, and has gotten over his brother's death. There are two separate awesome fights, taking them through different scenes from this season. They're chasing each other's voices, breaking through walls, crashing through doors, Tandy's fighting her dad, Ty's fighting his himself. Finally, they both crash through a wall and come face to face in an area that just has two white doors and a black background. They come face to face with despair. All he does is laugh and reconjures up their fears. Tandy is still with her dad, Ty is still with himself, but they're not idiots. And they pull a switcheroo. Ty goes and fights Tandy's father, and Tandy goes and fights the not-so-perfect evil version of Ty. They both have very nice speeches to the fear-conjured versions of themselves. Not themselves. Ty has a very nice speech to the fear-conjured version of Tandy's dad, and Tandy has a very nice speech to the fear-conjured version of Ty. Anyway... They kick the butts of these things, because they're not their own fears. So Ty is just completely destroying Tandy's dad. Not, like, in a gruesome kind of way, but he's kicking his butt. And Tandy is beating Ty, easily. And this pisses off Despair. He pulls them out and tosses them back into their own fears. But the break that they had was exactly what they needed. And they both are able to overcome and defeat their own fears. They are pulled out and walk up the stage, super cool slow motion walk, and they face off, despair. He causes the distraction and the camera pans away, but as they pan back, Tandy's gone. Despair has a talk that kind of reminded me of Gamora's talk from Infinity War. So before Thanos tosses Gamora off of the cliff, she has that speech about how you love no one, nobody. I was always waiting for the day when you would get Get what, get what was coming to you. Despair has a kind of talk like that where he talks about how, oh, Tandy has abandoned you. She was never good enough. Stuff like that. 
And then we get what is probably my favorite moment ever from any Marvel TV show. Ty's cloak opens out, and out jumps Candy, dual-wielding a giant medieval, medieval sword made of pure light that she stabs into despair, destroying him. No godhood for that boy. He was naughty and not doing what he was supposed to be doing. No, no, Ty, nah, he's not coming back from that. This was a perfect and amazing end to Despair's reign. Everything wraps up, all the people that disappeared came back. It's like the reverse snap, but with less funerals for Tony Stark. I'm kind of like referring everything to Avengers and comic books now. I should probably not do that. I should probably work on that. Either way, that was a perfect and amazing end to Despair. To end off the episode, very dramatically, there's a nice montage with Ty and Tandy saying goodbye to their family and things like that. And it, it there's a shot of Tandy sitting on a bus by herself. Commercial break! Because it's a TV show. Come back from... I actually thought this was where the episode was going to end after the commercial break. But we come back from the commercial break and Tandy is still sitting on that bus. We hear Ty call aisle seat and then we get to a very sweet conversation with the background music of Take On Me. Which is very nice because I feel like that fit the scene quite well. And it wasn't the da 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 I'm not I'm gonna get copyrighted if I do that. But it wasn't the upbeat version. It was very nice and slow. And they have a very nice talk, which makes me feel like there is definitely gonna be some of that comic book romance in the third season. But it brings back the call book from the first episode that I talked about maybe twenty minutes ago. And Ty asks Tandy waffles or pancakes. And the bus drives off into the darkness with them holding hands, which definitely makes me think that there is going to be some of that comic book romance, because we didn't know in the comic books they're actually together. Very sweet ending to a great second season. And that wraps up our main topic for the day. Um, overview once more, thoughts on Cloak and Dagger season two? Cloak and Dagger is Definitely up in my top three levels of Marvel TV shows. Or just comic book TV shows. Actually, I'm not going to go that far. Yeah, probably in the top three of Marvel TV shows, top five of comic book TV shows. It was very good. Part of what I like about Cloak & Dagger so much is how it relates everything to real world issues. It's not like Avengers. Don't get me wrong, I love Avengers. Favorite comic book group. So much hype for that. Avengers is amazing. But Cloak and Dagger, although they are dealing with a demon with superpowers, they're not dealing with a purple alien god who wants to wipe out half the universe by snapping his fingers with six six colorful gems. They're not dealing with Seppenwolf from the DC. They're not dealing with somebody who just wants power. They are dealing with somebody who wants power, but they're not dealing with... My point is, they're not dealing with gods. They're not dealing with magic. They're dealing with magic. What am I saying here? They're dealing with real-world issues and still relating them to superpowers with magic, and they do it in a very well-done way, in my opinion, at least. First season, they deal with issues like abuse and bullying and drugs. Second season, they deal with drugs and things like sex trafficking. 
which are not kind of topics that I want to cover in a superhero podcast, so I'm just going to kind of skip over them. But that was one of the main reasons why I like this show so much, because it does such a good job of covering topics that are very important to cover, but they do it in a very well done way. Um, this would probably rank second on my list of top three Marvel TV shows. Definitely going with Daredevil first, Cloak and Dagger second, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. third. Talk about that when I get to a lists episode later on, but yes, this has definitely brought Cloak and Dagger up in my rankings. Just gonna cover one more time, that scene of Tandy jumping out of Ty's cloak is straight out of the comics. Oh my gosh, I'm nerding out so much. That was such an amazing scene. Anyway, after that, welcome to the wrap-up comic read of the Superhero News, Superpower Newscast episode two. So the comic book we're going to be talking about today is Strange Tales featuring Cloak and Dagger and Doctor Strange. So the thing about this Strange Tales comics run is that even though it has both of them featuring Cloak and Dagger and Doctor Strange, it is actually two different stories in one comic book. One story of Cloak and Dagger and one story of Doctor Strange. Keeping on brand with the Cloak and Dagger theme for today's episode, we are just going to read the Cloak and Dagger half of this comic book because we are actually running super long right now and I don't want to know how long it will take to cover this whole thing. So, the Cloak and Dagger half of this Strange Tales, this is the first issue collector's item of it, starts off on a boat in India with Cloak and Dagger. This is after they have de dealt with despair. So in their comics books run, this is happening afterwards everything that has happened. They've become Cloak and Dagger, they've figured out that despair it was despair's fault. They've escaped from him. Everything's happening. Strange Tales, featuring Cloak and Dagger. It's also Doctor Strange, but he's not in this. <laughs> anyway, this story is all about Cloak and Dagger on a boat and shards of light. So, they're on a boat in India, together. When suddenly the boat hits something, and the boat begins to sink. Now... Cloak's powers in this are much different than they are in the TV show. That is important to note. The boat hits something and all the passengers are suddenly drowning. Cloak can save Dagger because he feeds off of her light and that's how they both stay safe. But like he says here, he can't save the victims of this accident because the darkness within me would then feed on their living light and inflict madness and despair. Dagger's excess light protects her but you could not protect them all, even if I could gather them all up, which I cannot. There is nothing they could do, because there is no solid surface for him to materialize onto. All he would succeed to in, get is in getting Dagger drowned as well. While they are watching that horrific scene, unable to do anything, all the passengers drowning, a light is dancing above each of the pilgrims, which are the passengers in the boat. A giant ball of light sucks out of each of their heads all of their light, and drained of light all the pilgrims die. It is over. Horrible, says Cloak. However, Dagger can sense that that light was alive, and it fed upon the dead. <sighs> they get into the city, and they see all of the passengers taking care of all the dead. They just can't stop. 
they go into a sort of montage thing, how they talk about how they can't stop the drug trade, no matter what they do. Traveling to New York would put too much of a strain on them, just take them to an airport. But, inside Cloak's cloak, the light appears. The same as I saw on the river. Digger says, we found them. They follow it. They follow the dancing discs to a sp And Stanley describes, splendorific, spen splendoriferous temple situated high above the city. Which is where the light discs go to roost. As Cloak says, within apparently lifeless medallion emblazoned forms of wor wor worshippers. Although Dagger realizes they are not lifeless, they are entranced. As the light fills them, they're snapping out of it. Look at them, Cloak. Can't you see the joy in their faces? Her light only brought them despair. Theirs has filled them with ecstasy. This leads into the next half of the Strange Tales thing. Cloak is watching as despair... Not despair. <laughs> I'm talking about despair a lot today. Cloak watches on the sidelines as Dagger dances in the light, trying to see if her light can fill her with as much joy as the pilgrims that are watching. But suddenly the pilgrims notice something that is not as light as Dagger. They notice Cloak in the background. He can see the difference between their light and hers. She cannot. They go for Cloak and fill him with lightness taking him down and returning him to human form. Another important notice to a difference to notice from the TV show and the comics is that Cloak cannot go back into his human form. He is stuck as his wavering shadowy Cloak form forever. However, as he is infused with the light from these dancers, he turns human. And that is not always a good thing, no matter how much you think it is. He stutters to the dagger. Cloak, Ty, you're stuttering. You're human again, but how? Who? And out of the light appears Dagger's father, the Lord of Light. To be continued. And that is the first half of the Strange Tales. That was the Cloak and Dagger half. Unfortunately, we do not have time today go to go through the Doctor Strange half. But... I hope that this is all working out because if you didn't, if you missed the first episode, the main reason that I'm doing this wrap up comic read at the end of every episode is because I want to try to get the comics. A lot of people watch Marvel Studios, like the MCU, a lot of people, and I have no problem with that's how people got into the MCU. That's how I got into the MCU, but I would love to try to get more people into the comics. Which is why at the end of all of these episodes, I'm ending it up with a comic read. It could be DC, it could be Marvel. Tonight, I just decided to choose Cloak and Dagger because this entire episode was about the wrap-up of Cloak and Dagger. Or the season 2 of Cloak and Dagger. But yeah, that was today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. If you did, please tell me. And don't forget to follow this podcast. You can follow me at Superhero Newscast on Twitter. And have a great day. Don't forget to tell me if you have any ideas for upcoming episodes. I am always happy to take suggestions as I want this to be podcast. I want this podcast to be as much of yours as it is mine. I hope you guys enjoyed. Once again, have a great day.